Welcome to A Retro Perspective, a video game podcast that takes a look at long-running franchises one game at a time. This season, we're taking a look at Nintendo's flagship IP, The Legend of Zelda. If you're just now joining us, we recommend beginning your journey with episode one. With that out of the way, I'm Carly. And I'm Kyler. Let's get started. If you asked a fan of the series what the worst Zelda game was, it would be unsurprising to get 2011 Skyward Sword as the answer. The game has taken on a sort of reverse Wind Waker effect, with high expectations and rave reviews yielding to scathing disappointment from fans. In fact, it's those rave reviews that led to such an intense backlash. Once fans had the greatest Zelda game of all time in their hands, it wasn't quite what they had asked for. When getting down to the source of this backlash, it's important to note two things. Firstly, Skyward Sword was developed over the course of five years on the Nintendo Wii, a console that was vastly underpowered at release, and even more so near the end of its lifespan in the early 2010s. Secondly, the game was released at a time when competitors were changing the landscape of modern gaming. If you look at gaming in 2011, you'll find a who's who of classics, Skyrim, Portal 2, Batman Arkham City, Uncharted 3, and Dark Souls, just to name a few. Skyward Sword was supposed to be Nintendo's great leap into modern gaming. It was going to take the step that Twilight Princess couldn't. Instead, fans were treated to an elaborate Wii Motion Plus adventure and a collection of both bold and tired mechanics that never quite synced up. Advancements like the use of orchestrated music pushed up against a sluggish UX and a lack of voice acting. There seemed to be a disconnect. At the same time, it's important to consider what the Zelda team was working with. Essentially the same hardware as 2002's The Wind Waker, save for motion controls and some new shaders. As much as Skyward Sword showed the cracks in the Zelda formula and Nintendo's designs, it did make good on the promise of the Wii era. Intuitive and immersive controls. Skyward Sword didn't lift the series to new heights. It was never going to be capable of such a task if Twilight Princess was any indication. But it did deliver a singular Zelda experience that we may never see again. So Kyler, how do we how do we feel about this singular Zelda experience? How do we like the game? I I think I, I think my opinion's gotten a lot maybe not a lot softer on it. Um, the things that I thought I really disliked, I overall am just more like either irritated or just don't find it interesting. And what I like about it, it's definitely more noticeable in contrast to the full kind of scope of the series now, and um, even some things I kind of miss in places. But overall, like I enjoy it. But I kind of, the best way I can describe it is it just feels a bit hollow or just that it's missing kind of the thing that makes Zelda games special and what makes them kind of so compelling. So I think for me, just it's the struggle of playing a game that has basically taken Twilight Princess's premise where my frustration came down to it's wanting to do two different things and it doesn't seem to really commit. And Skyward Sword full-on commits, and it's committing to an aspect that's more so pushing it away from being a Zelda game, but it, it's, it really is. <laughs> it's like full-on Mario in its own way, and yet like still uh, has like the traditions of Zelda within it. And so what's, what's there on a moment-to-moment -moment basis is really good. It's definitely very enjoyable, except for the aspects that are just not, I don't know, just were not enjoyable to begin with. But I can't just help but feel like I'm not really on much of an adventure in one, one sense and 
Like I'm like I'm really exploring like new territory, which is weird for a game like the way the game is set up. It feels like it should be that way, and it doesn't somehow. And so yeah, I think I agree. I actually think that I liked it more the first time I played it. I actually don't think I really had that many problems with this game when it first came out. Something with it just clicked for me, even though it's really counter to what I want in a Zelda game, which is like free, open-ended exploration. So like I was disappointed in like the sky dropping down change at first. And I don't know, maybe I had been sort of like eased into it by the DS games and like accepted that Zelda games could be that way. I'll say this, I feel like my opinion on it has kind of been more so influenced like now that Breath of the Wild exists because... Hmm. I do feel in a way that at the time I was really blown away by how certain aspects of the game felt like such a huge step forward. Hmm, And now it sort of feels like a taken for granted thing. But at the time, like the lore and the relationship with Zelda and sort of the twisting of the story and the mechanics was really interesting to me. It felt really fresh, I guess I would say. Hmm. Like the setup for the game I thought was interesting like the emotional attachment that you have to Zelda, I think really makes the, it just straight up makes the game for me. I think it's maybe one of the best things about the game um, and makes so many emotional moments just work where I've never really felt that attached to characters in Zelda games before. I don't know, I remember liking the gratitude quest the first time and I liked flying around and I liked the music. And of course, like there's certain areas that I think are really interesting. I do think coming back to it, I don't know, it's harder, I think, after you've played it because you sort of know what you're getting into. And so when you don't have that element of surprise, I think the game sort of loses something for me because there are things, like, I think there are aspects of this game or the way it lays things out or, like, where it places items and stuff that makes it feel super unexpected, actually, and not super tired and formulaic. But after you sort of gotten over the wave of that the first time, then you don't get that as so much, I don't think. But um, I will say that, and I did think about this playing this time, motion controls are annoying to me because, um, well, now I'm so used to the Switch and like playing anywhere and stuff. And so they have to, you know, it means having to stay engaged to play a game. And so, you know, sometimes you want to do that, sometimes you don't. But I will say, outside of like bomb rolling, I really love the controls. <laughs> I actually, didn't the swimming controls didn't really bother me that much this time. So go figure. Um, <laughs> weirdly, I find even the analog, like non-motion control Twilight Princess swimming controls, to be like more confusing to me. Hmm. I don't know why, but I really like the sword play in this game, and it made every. I will say, I think that the combat. Uh, I wouldn't call it the most interactive in the series because I think that Breath of the Wild ends up being that. But I think it's the most you have had to think about fighting enemies in such a long time. So I don't know. I'm still really mixed on it. I'm not I would say that I'm not super excited to like dive into it again. Playing this game, I thought about Ocarina of Time a lot and how much I wanted to play that game. Yeah, (laughs) I think uh, playing this game made me miss. Like, uh, it does kind of end up feeling hollow. You sort of wonder, I think there is an aspect of it where you wonder where the five years went. Yeah. It, it's kind of weird in that way. They spent a really long time developing this game, and it, I don't know where. I think so much of the time, unfortunately, just had to go into getting the controls right. Because it sounds like, from the research I've done, that they really had to, like, build the game up 
they had started with Twilight Princess controls, and then once they went to Wii Motion Plus, it was like, I don't think they figured out the sword stuff until, I don't know if it was the, the Wii Sports Resort team? Yeah, that's... Had, like, their fencing game. I think that's, like, they based it on that. That was a big piece of it, yeah. That yeah. was what That was what, like, actually convinced Anuma to go ahead with the Motion Plus. Yeah. Um, so I feel like a lot of the game probably got eaten up by that. Um, but yeah, but just sort of like expanding on that idea. I think I just really like all the concepts and then it's just sort of a bummer that they feel so limited in some ways. So like, I really like the sky and I think it's cool, but it feels underwhelming compared to the sea. And like, it doesn't feel like there's that much to explore there. I mean, like there's small, there's, I don't know. It's a, it's a bummer because there's small aspects of it that I think feel so great. Like, I think like jumping off of your bird and like floating down to the ground and like skydiving feels really awesome. Um, I just like jumping off the edge of something and calling your beer, your bird feels really cool. I love the music that plays, um, when you fly, but there's just not enough. I don't know. I think like there's a version of this game that's like made now that I feel like is so much bigger. Like, I know that they couldn't have done it then, but I like kind of, I feel like I could be more accepting of the sky and the ground being such different places if say with like Skyloft, if Skyloft was like a much larger city and you had the ability to literally like fly your bird around anywhere and like drop anywhere in it versus it being like a loading screen control sort of place. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's something where I think I would like that concept more where you could have the enjoyment of flying and like having that sort of freedom, but you wouldn't be so like the biggest problem with like flying in games is if you can float anywhere, how do you control people from just like flying to the top of a mountain? And like, you can't, it's just a real nightmare to design around. But I think like the idea that they had is cool because you can have the experience of flying and have that other world and have this world where you can drop in anywhere and then you have a world where you're like on your feet and more contained. I don't necessarily think that the, that I still don't think that Hyrule on the ground needs to be completely connected to one another because if it was, you probably would literally just never go up to the sky again. Yeah. But I think for me, the biggest thing is that, and it's like, they talked about in the interviews and like leading up to this game, that they wanted to have like these areas you could go back to and explore. And I think they were maybe sort of hunting for like a Metroid style of exploration. But I actually think that this game struggles mightily with the fact that there just isn't enough crossover with items that you get elsewhere than being utilized in different places. You know what I mean? Yeah. That. Like you get the hook shot and you can hook shot now all around the desert and that's great. And there's like a couple of points elsewhere, but it's not like, you know, there's just not enough. You don't get to use the water scale much anywhere. And like, that's a cool item. So that's just a bummer. Yeah, that's that's probably like the strange, like at release, especially that was probably the strangest thing for me that kind of felt like a really big letdown was hearing that Hideomaru Fujibayashi, uh, who uh, he was the director for Skyward Sword, you know, basically for him to come from the Capcom Zelda games and Phantom Hourglass and just be like, okay, we're going to get unique items. They're going to have some pretty, really, really fun uses. And they're going to have like a lot of crossover and how you get around the field and like stuff to come, like look forward to coming back to. 
And one half of it's kind of true. Like some of the items are, are neat, or at least, you know, their execution is nice in, in terms of how they're incorporated within the dungeons is really good. But when it comes back to just revisiting the worlds, most of the time, especially when it came to goddess cubes, it's like, oh, right. I just forgot to jump off this arbitrary spot to land here and get the, get the thing. That was kind of, that was, that was it. I just forgot to do that and not like, Hey, there's like a whole small little expanse over here that I just didn't get the chance to actually check out before. So um, yeah, it kind of it's kind of a huge bummer how much how little reincorporation there is and how little overlap there is with the world design. Like it's a good one and done, and for what what it is like for what it's worth, the one and done is is great. But that's kind of a huge um, I don't want to call it a slight against like just the the spirit of Zelda. Maybe I mean maybe it is maybe it is kind of in a sense of, of against it. I mean dungeons in the original Zelda were not were a one and done thing within their own right. But I don't know, just the idea, like, I think an overworld like this can be done right and and not just be a thing that you kind of you just get through. And then all you're really doing is just exploring new areas and the rest of the old areas kind of become obsolete in some part. And they don't totally become obsolete, um, but their reuse to me is not always really enjoyable either, which is also another big loss. And um, I think I think half the time the game just got me sold on showing me new stuff all the time that, you know, I think for the most part, I could have been like, eh, you know what? I don't have to revisit the old area, like the, the old areas, because the new stuff is like the new additions as the game keeps rolling on are really good, at least until the game runs out of steam in the last uh, last third. And then it's just kind of like <laughs> kind of a bummer. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's just a bummer that there... It just feels like there's not enough hidden stuff, like hidden areas. Yeah, I don't know. It just it just feels like there should be more little rewards of, like, discovery um, in each area. And I think, like, especially Lanayru, which I think is, like, the best area, but it also struggles a little bit from just, like, mobility and, like, getting around, um, especially pre-hookshot. It's just, like... Um, I don't know. It's one of those areas that like works well when you go through it, but then like after going through all these puzzles, it's like you never are gonna go back through the Linnea route. Like you're never gonna go back through that first mine like ever again. Right. Um, which I think is kind of an issue is that like some parts of it prioritize like interesting puzzles or like interesting buildup, but then once you've done that and you've gotten through it, then they don't really succeed as areas anymore. So it's just kind of wonky, I guess. Yeah. Um, I will say that I really do love the items and I think when you get them, where you get them, from what you get them is all very surprising and very fun. And I think that they even, I really feel like the only one for me that actually really liked my first playthrough and this time I actually kind of neglected was like the, uh, the whip. Oh, yeah. I don't think it... It just doesn't really get enough use. But I do appreciate that it has... Everything has multiple, like, abilities and stuff. So, like, even though I don't feel like that's an item that's used a ton, you can use it to kill those birds, you can use it to pull switches, you can use it to swing, you can use it to steal um, horns from boblins, book goblins, whatever Coblins, yeah. Bokoblins, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> And I think that's nice. I One item I really love is the beetle. That thing is awesome. The beetle is pretty dang fun. I really like I it. I think it's really fun. And I think the thing I most appreciate about appreciate about that item is the, its scouting potential and the fact that it feels like you can... I don't know. Like, if I was trying to get a sense of a room and wasn't exactly sure what was going to go on, I would just 
send that thing and I would just look around and like get my bearings. So, you know, and even the slingshot, like you get to upgrade it and stuff. Um, so I think all of that is cool, but I just, yeah, I'm just sort of left wanting. I think an issue I have, I don't, well, of course there's going to be no people down there in civilization. Cause like, that's the whole point of the backstory of the game and everything. But I do think it's disappointing that you don't like that, like the magmas and the kiwi, kikwis. Yeah. Kiwis, not kiwis, kikwis. kiwis. <laughs> magmas and kikwis and, um, oh, the waterfish and. Oh yeah. You know what those are. I just, I wish that, like, these groups of things had, like, I wish there were towns that you could, like, go to. Like, there's just, I think this game is sort of lacking that Zora's Domain, that true feeling of, like, a Zora's Domain or um, a, a Goron town. <laughs> Goron yeah, city. it feels like. It feels like NPCs are more so just hanging around rather yeah, than like actually inhabiting. Just, a yeah, place. they're just kind of there, and there's not really anything to like do. Like, there just like aren't really side quests. Like, you have those in um, Skyloft, but you just don't really get them so much. Like, I do think one thing that's kind of fun and successful was um, that you get to bring a, a magma up to the sky, and you get to bring a Kiki up to the sky. And I just kind of wish there was a little bit more of that. And, like, that they, like, had their own stores or something, even though I don't really... So you never buy anything from Zelda stores. But, <laughs> and I, I guess, like, I mean, I'm assuming that the whole reason there aren't, like, towns for them is because they want Skyloft to remain, like, an integral part of the whole experience. And, like, they want you to keep going back there. So it's like, oh, if we add all these things down on the ground, then you won't want to go back up to the sky. Right. But... I don't know. It would be cool if, like, they each had unique things or maybe, like, unique treasure that you could buy or just, like, something else. So I just think that's kind of a missed opportunity. And I think it's something that, like, Twilight Princess didn't really have it either, which was a bummer. Like, yes, Twilight Princess technically has Zora's Domain, technically has Goron City and whatnot. But, like, you can't really convince me that those places are any more civilized, like, a civilization than what we see in this game. I don't really think they are. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's my hot take on that. <laughs> they may be more explicitly defined, but there isn't really anything else more to do there, in my opinion. Yeah. I think it's just the that delineation um, and that shift that Twilight Princess started to incorporate and really is full on incorporated here. And it really is just that sense of you're simply just progressing through obstacles more so than you're like exploring a world more than anything mm-hmm. that kind of gets in the way. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't like, I don't necessarily, I agree that like the areas don't necessarily have to be interconnected, but they, they really only feel like a space to exercise abilities rather than like a space to like kind of really explore more thoroughly like there's little extras here and there everywhere but it really the mario comparison does keep coming up more and more and it's kind of hit its uh peak here in that i don't know so much of it is just kind of throwaway not throwaway design but more so like it, it really is designed in like uh exploring mechanics and using them to their fullest extent and then kind of like either reincorporating later which is very much a zelda thing um, I mean, it also kind of been a Mario thing. I think I should think of the Galaxy games with respect to that too. That they they reincorporate a lot towards the end um, as well. And there's there's a lot of alignment. I have to wonder how much bleed over there was between the the two teams. How much of just Nintendo EAD, like whether it's like just the Mario group and Zelda group, and how much that kind of came together on this. I mean, it was 
fairly large staff. I think, well, I mean, it was the largest in the series up to this point. And so I just wonder how much of that mentality they just kind of like, yeah, this, you know, this works overall. We can still make a Zelda game out of it. This, this works. And, and yeah, like I said, it like moment to moment, it is, it's good. I mean, it is really good. I, I enjoy it, but I think it just doesn't really end up sticking in my mind, which I guess it allows the game to kind of surprise me again in some ways, which I suppose is good. But it kind of, yeah, you just, there are just chunks of the world that just start to slip out of your mind because suddenly they're not, you know, they're not useful or they're simply not needed anymore. And um, I mean, that's a shame because I would have taken any reason to go back and explore Laneru Sansi just for the music and the atmosphere alone. And it's kind of a shame that just all that stuff is simply just used for what it is. And then it's kind of, that's it. So. Yeah. Cause like, I think they had, I actually like the environmental design. I think looking back at Twilight Princess, like I think that it's actually very cool and very successful. It's just like, I, I do just think that straight up, like the biggest problem with the game is that, it wants to have you go back through these areas and like reuse them and like have backtracking that feels like motivated, but it just like doesn't give you enough. Like they don't feel sufficiently rich enough and it's just kind of a, it's a bummer. But you know, it's funny, I will say that thinking about this game and then thinking about going back to play Twilight Princess, who a game that also at times, since I had barely played it or played certain parts of it, I didn't necessarily know every solution or everything I was supposed to do. Yeah. And I totally forgot things in Skyward Sword too, because it's been a while. And because the way that it sort of structures itself, um, it's a lot easier to forget some things, I think. Not in a bad way. It's just that it's it actually does things a little bit differently. So you kind of have to like, you know, or it's easy to forget the order of things, whatever. Yeah. Um, but when I think about like going back to play like Twilight Princess versus like playing this game, yeah, I'd honestly still like rather like dive back into this game again than yeah. like have to open up Twilight Princess. And I, this game kind of is a similar Wind Waker territory for me where like um, what's there I really like that's just like not enough of it. And I, I obviously don't think it hits the same heights as Wind Waker, which was just. I don't know. I really think after playing all these, it's straight up like one of the best games, even with everything we said about it feeling incomplete and like missing dungeons. Like, yeah. It's still like the amount of mini games, the places to go, like the items are awesome. There's just like, you know, the, the enemy AI is dope. Um, <laughs> that game feels like pretty next level, honestly, after playing Twilight Princess and Skyward Sword. Like, yeah. they, I don't know. They found something there that's really great. But... Um, I, I do think with Skyward Sword, I, moment to moment, I enjoy it. I don't really think... There's not super anything that really annoys me. Maybe I felt like the most like, oh, okay, here I go, was to go uh, back through Skyview uh, when you have to get the water. Oh, yeah. Uh, which never... It didn't really annoy me the first time I ever played the game. I actually thought it was cool I was going back there, but this time I was like, eh, I don't want to go. Yeah, it um, doesn't feel like much of anything. <laughs> Yeah, it's just kind of weird. It's just kind of like, ah, we need to incorporate this somehow, I guess. <laughs> yeah. um, they were trying something out, I guess. Yeah, but, trying to like reuse areas in different ways, but yeah, this was, eh, it's fine, I guess. Yeah, I don't it's know. fine. Um, <laughs> but I, I do think that just like moment to moment, it's more fun to me. Like I like, I, I was never, and I even kind of had to binge this game uh, the last, I don't know, 
a few dungeons, like the sort of almost the second half of the game, I had to play pretty quickly because I'd gotten uh, behind. Yeah. Thanks to a couple of fall Switch releases that took up many of my hours. <laughs> I will not specifically say which ones so as not to horribly date this self. I'm just kidding. It was Pokemon and Luigi's Mansion. Yeah, it was um, Pokemon. I got no time. Yeah, <laughs> Pokemon destroyed me. It took up all my time. So, uh, so it, it took me a while to get back into it. Uh, and then I had to rush a little bit. And, you know, uh, rushing, there are certain things that I did skip, like a few heart pieces that I was like, okay, I know where to get them, so I at least have the knowledge. And, um, boy, I loved the boss rush my first playthrough of this game. I thought it was, like, the best uh, thing in the world. And yeah. it's hard. And I kind of knew, actually, I was like, I know how hard it is, and I know that I'm not that great at this game right now. Um, so I didn't end up doing it again. Yeah. Because I also know what the reward is, and I was like, all right, I'm going to go beat the game. Uh, <laughs> but when I think about going back to Twilight Princess, I just get stopped. Um, I think, so I was playing I was playing Skyward Sword, and my boyfriend was over, and I was asking him because he, he just hasn't grown up with video games to the extent that we have, um, and he hasn't grown up with Nintendo games. I think he's played... I don't know, one Zelda game? I've been trying to make him play Breath of the Wild <laughs> and he won't do it because he, he needs to play games that can be beaten in like two hours because of time commitment because he's not ready to spend 100 hours on the journey. <laughs> um, lame. But so I, he was watching me play and I was asking him, you know, I when I first turned on Skyward Sword, so this is the first game since Link to the Past? where we have played the original version of it because we did Link's Awakening DX and then the 64 games on the 3DS. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then Wind Waker HD and Twilight Princess HD. <laughs> so it was like my first time stepping into standard definition in the 3D era, and I was not ready. Like, my eyes were not... I guess it's uh, it's at least got the 16 by 9 aspect ratio. Oh, yeah. But it definitely looked a little rough. And then I got used to it, and now it actually looks good to me. But I was asking him what he thought about it, and he said it looks pretty old. <laughs> and then I, um, and then of course, I immediately was like, wait, you have to look at this. And then I booted up my Wii copy of Twilight Princess and made him look at it. And I was at um, Kakariko Village in oh, the Twilight. So back when we did the Twilight Princess episode, that's where I had started um, and I was determined to get like a better graphics comparison, see what the Wii version looked like and stuff, um, just to have a better perspective on it. So I had to go through and get all those stupid bugs in my least favorite like section of the game <laughs> and whatnot so I could get on the horse and look at the world and all that stuff. I'm so dumb, I forgot to save. I was like, whatever, oh, I never no. need to open this game again. And then here I was, I opened up the Twilight Realm and he was like, oh, this looks really cool. And I was like, this isn't what the game always looks like. <laughs> but I was like, but I'm not, go there's no way that I'm going to collect these stupid bugs and show you. So I did. But when I switched back to Skyward Sword, he actually said that he did think Skyward Sword looked a little bit nicer. So, vindication. <laughs> it's a mild step um, up. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know why I bring that up. That, that, that was like me being like, so Twilight Princess isn't fun and it looks bad. No, uh, I'm sorry. Um, God, we always have to find I do, time to But it. I bring that up to say that I got into that moment and realized like there are just certain things of that game that I actively think are unfun, that I really don't want to do and feel like some medicine I have to swallow to like get to the good parts. Yeah. And so it, it's just something that like, I actually did, while playing Skyward Sword, kind of want to go back to it. But then you have to, like, remember, like, the first 10 hours of the game. Yeah. 
And I, after playing like Skyward Swords dungeons, it's just like, I couldn't really go back there. I guess maybe this is comparison. <laughs> I don't even think it's, a it's not a, it's not our usual academic, uh, take on it. So I couldn't even really call it comparison. It, it's just yeah my emotions on this. It just gets, it gets harder to, as time goes on. Like as we get further and further down the line, it's harder not to, because especially as they get so different. Um, like Twilight Princess was one thing and then Skyward Sword's like just flying in that direction and it's hard to not to just immediately draw upon those things because it's just like well the Zelda series was series was at least up to a point mostly true to at least the spirit of the original Legend of Zelda they might not have been in like a gameplay standpoint the same idea but they they were like in spirit I think maintained that and Twilight Princess is kind of a mix of a farce and some decent stuff and mostly just going through dungeons and Skyward Sword is just predominantly like it's that mesh of field and dungeon where it's like you're really mostly just going through a bunch of challenges and they're and they're good challenges like they they made it a point to make those as good as possible um but that's really all you're doing and it helps that the variety is good that the utilization of mechanics is really good um but yeah that's probably the one thing that always just kind of ends up not getting in my way. Like you, you kind of put it the same way. Like I thought with Twilight Princess where it's just like, there's just at like when I get to the good stuff, like it's like open up an oyster and only getting like a little bit of meat. And you're like, gosh, dang it. That was so much work. But at least the meat was really good. But, um, but it's like, I, maybe I'll just eat something like less cumbersome. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> to I just think enjoy it a little like bit. Like I get that Skyward Sword is legitimately super linear, linear. Um, but I also feel like at least it's not trying to trick you into thinking it's not. Right. Like, it's more insulting for me if, like, Skyward Sword opened up all its pathways and said, you can't go over there. Like, yeah. because of the way the game progresses, I can at least say that there's not very many moments at all where, like, Fee actually shows up and says, Master, you can't go over there now. We have to do this first. Like, yeah. that's not really a thing. Like, you usually just straight up can't get there physically anyway. Yeah, exactly. So, like, you start off the game, you jump down, and, you know, you have to talk to the old lady uh, for, like, five minutes, and then you can open up an owl statue. Uh, not an owl statue. Sorry. A bird statue. Yeah. Uh, two different birds. Um, <laughs> you can open up a bird statue right away, and you can go back up to the surface. You're not really locked into anything. Like I get that it is a straightforward progression and you can't run around Hyrule Field, but it you can just stop what you're doing and decide that I'm gonna go farm X, Y, and Z. Like there's only a couple times in the game where it locks you into sequences. Right. So I think that's something that, that I do appreciate and that like Skyloft is always kind of like an active hub there. So it just, it limits you in a way of like not showing you things that you can't super go to and sort of introduces you to places that you can think about and see when you're in the major areas, like um, seeing like the hookshot stuff in Lanayru and knowing that you can probably get somewhere else or seeing the lake in the door and knowing you can probably get there somehow. Um, yeah. Or getting into the volcano because there's that part that's too hot. And so I appreciate that those are all things that say like, hey, there's something else here, but it's not just like the game yelling at you or putting a dumb boulder in front of it. Like <laughs> you will get to that thing and it will feel, you know, smart enough when you go there. 
Um, yeah. So I, I do appreciate that. And, you know, something else I really appreciate about this game is because of the way that the world is set up, uh, this might have been the first game where I actually really fell in love with Zelda dungeons. Like, hmm. man, there's something in these that just clicks for me. Uh, it's partially, I think, the buildup to them that makes them feel like such a reward, whereas in other games it felt like the reward was getting the stupid item and getting to go somewhere else. Whereas in this <laughs> game I really feel like so excited when I finally hit the dungeon. And, like, they're all awesome. Like, I got no complaints here. I'm not even, like, the length is good. If they were longer, I'd want to die. Like, yeah. I, I don't... They could have given me three more of these things. I enjoyed them so much. <laughs> like, and I'm just, again, not a huge Zelda dungeon person, but they really work for me. Even some of them that are a little more linear, they're not huge, but I think that they... I think one thing that they actually do sort of excel at is having these larger rooms that you sort of just explore and then sort of figure yeah. out where to go. Kind of like, um, oh, here we go, comparisons. Whoops. Uh, <laughs> like the Fire Temple in Ocarina of Time with that huge open room where it's yeah. kind of a big space so you feel like you can sort of like get your feet wet and then explore. Um, and it doesn't always have to be some big temple adjusting room like the lake bed center. Um, yeah. I just think like even um, the earth temple um, where you're just kind of running around with the ball and trying to figure out like what door to go to and whatnot. Like you can really like fish your way around there and see, you know, try to figure out where to go through like real active exploration. And I just really appreciate stuff like that. I don't know. I just think the dungeon designs <laughs> are real top tier for me. Yeah. They're channeling, um, definitely channeling a lot of, Wind Waker vibes and I think they're but I think they like I think both the mixture of gimmicks that Twilight Princess would use and also the mixture of like strong mechanics it's so like more mechanically driven things rather than just kind of very simple item puzzles that kind of Wind Waker had I think that's brought together really really nicely here where there's just like a, there's always just a good combination of mechanics that are kind of well thought out and and brought together and I think and I think especially compared to other aspects of Skyward Sword that really just either continually or you gradually waste your time dungeons for the most part they just kind of flow well and they don't really stop you a whole lot i mean there's npcs on the occasion but for the most part nothing really gets in your way at all and nothing there's nothing that really operates like too slow at all most of everything has a nice sense of flow to it yeah and uh and yeah and i like that just getting through it is not like it's not a tedious affair and when you once you get past that once everything is like if everything's mechanically enjoyable the atmosphere is interesting and just the, the the puzzles are interesting then like i don't know i yeah i'm with you on that that i i can very much enjoy these a lot like that was part of the biggest surprise for me is coming out of twilight princess and just being like man i'm not really up for this more like 90% main story and then dungeon kind of thing but it, there's a good ebb and flow to it and the dungeons are doled out at a pretty good pace overall and yeah just the dungeons themselves are are great and yes i might make my gripes about not my gripes, just more so like the like missing the feeling of like the the large rooms that have kind of more macro puzzles going on. Um, I think what's I think what's done here is still pretty dang good and like mechanically definitely very very advanced above like Ocarina Majora as far as what they did. So I I I definitely thoroughly enjoy these overall. Yeah, I think to start off with the presentation, I think one thing I will say and it, and it just kind of I said it in the intro and it will. Well, I made you say it in the intro, but uh, it'll kind of uh, sort of reach over the entirety of the game. Just the fact that, like, 
this is a Wii game. And it was in development for, you know, five years. Uh, Twilight Princess came out in 08, and this came out in 11, um, November 2011. So that's a long time to not see a Zelda game, but it's also, by that point, we're talking, the Wii is ancient. Like, this came out (laughs) at the tail end of the Wii's existence. The Wii was weak when it came out. I mean... Super Mario Galaxy is probably still the best-looking game on the system, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I just feel like from a game perspective, I think there was an expectation sort of for for Skyward Sword to be next-gen Zelda because everything else was sort of that next-gen feeling with um, the 360 and with the PS3 and whatnot, and you don't get that here at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I do think it's, it's important to remind... I do think they were certain they were smart and efficient in certain ways in understanding, especially from their experience with Twilight Princess, what exactly they were capable of doing. And so, say with the art direction, I think I really enjoy the painterly effect. I think it's very, very smart. I mean, it's not easy to execute, but at the same time, it's something that helps kind of cope with like, you know, draw distance issues in these larger areas. And, you know, there's just not you know, it's not a ton of loading screens and whatnot. Like, it's a lot of stuff feels, like, continuous and generally makes a lot of sense. And I think that that effect is really successful for me. Um, and just in general, um, I would say I would say overall that I really enjoy the color palette. I like the animations. And, I yeah, I just like the sort of feeling. I think what falls short for me would probably mostly be, like, character design and mostly enemy design. Um, I have a lot of issues with the enemy design and like the just the look of a lot of these creatures um, and the eyeballs. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, I think that the people for me actually look better than Twilight Princess. Um, I wish like Link looked like he got adequate enough sleep, but I think he <laughs> at least he feels a little less wooden to me. And his lips didn't look like he was stung by bees. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but. I will tell you from an enemy standpoint, though, I love the Lizalfos. They're perfect. They are pretty I love good. Them a lot. Um, they are. They're pretty but, good. You know, I like goblins and moblins and some bosses and eh, meh. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, uh, yeah. I can I can agree with that. I I find that if I can kind of describe Skyward Sword's art direction anyway, it's not it's not terribly striking to me. When it's good, it's really really good. But overall, I think it just kind of gets the job done. It's not a full on like commitment the way Wind Waker was and it wasn't like a plain like pandering to an audience like Twilight Princess was but I think as far as the effect goes like there's some there's some intentionality behind it of course one part of it is to fight against aging like uh you know kind of what Twilight Princess really suffers from and I mean I think I think overall like it's good really the only thing is like I think if it was just upscaled and the textures were kind of fitted like if we got cleaner textures textures more detailed textures that were like fitted to the impressionist art style even more I think I think it look I mean like you know technically I think it looked pretty good overall I'd be pretty content with that I think the game just looks really flat is probably the biggest thing like they don't have a day night cycle and that's probably I think due to the style, I'm not 100% sure. There's just like such a lack of dynamic lighting, which I think is a huge issue. I would love to see, you know, rectify the future release of the game. 
you just you just don't get to see areas get really transformed at all by yes. by day night. They're and very static. Yeah, exactly. There's there's I think it takes a lot of life out of out of areas that not to say that they're lifeless to begin with, but it's just a, it's just a, a factor that I think really helped when you get to have that like in previous Zelda games where you get to have that contrast of seeing areas at day and night, like like as if there is like a sense of life in them. So um, and that was an aspect that I enjoyed about Twilight Princess a lot. I mean, barring its mechanical implications, it was <laughs> it was it was otherwise like from an atmospheric standpoint, it was really good. Um, so I think it was kind of a shame to not really have that here at all. And it's like every time I jumped into bed to switch tonight, it's just like this just doesn't I, I every time it just took a little bit of the satisfaction out of the game. Every time I did it, I was just like, ah, I just don't like this. I don't like that it's this way. Yeah. So same. that, I don't know. I think flying around at night, I feel like there would have been opportunities to do some really cool stuff with that. And um, that just doesn't really happen. Yeah, I really just don't think there's a good reason for it other than it would have been more work, but it would have been really awesome. Yeah. If, like you could fly at night, areas changed at night. You could go down to the surface at night. Yeah. There's just a lot of possibilities there. <sighs> this guy needed so much help. Yeah. It needed everything it could get. And so I think that just kind of is just a seal on top of it. Already pretty lackluster feet, like just part of the game. So it's just that, that always stings me with, as far as the art direction goes, is not getting that aspect of dynamicism to, to, to lighting and seeing how areas change. So, but overall, like I'm, I'm fine with it and it will, it will definitely age it'll age decently well i think um i agree with you on the monster design for sure i find it to be pretty there's a lot of unique monsters in the game for sure which i think kudos to them on that there's a, there's a lot of unique stuff in here and then like every everyone talks about it and you and i are both on the same page but the monsters ink looking octopus I, it's such a disappointment. Oh my gosh. Oh, it's the worst. It's <laughs> after, such a cool sequence and then it's just ruined. After Kolokos being like really inspired and just really, really cool as far as what they were doing with that, especially like incorporating the light and dark like themes and the, uh, I, I, I'm not familiar enough with the, the, the actual cultural, like the point of origin of the whole story that they're pulling from. I just, I just, I don't remember it off the top of my head, but they, they kind of yeah, I think I looked in, uh, I don't know, I was watching a video or something, and it's some sort of guy climbs a string into heaven sort of theme. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. It's something like that. And yeah, I think it's Japanese. I think so. I think it's a Japanese like folktale or legend or something. Maybe I have origins in Buddhism or something like that. But I yeah, I like the really inspired theme of that, or like how that's incorporated into like the boss itself, where it has like the purple kind of like corruption going through its armor and everything that's really really cool i like after that and then immediately following up with the next fight it's like guys really yeah <laughs> really like and every because i think what everything else up to that point like okay maybe the scorpion uh or uh Mulderac was is pretty whatever like because i think one thing was being exposed to the demo from e3 and seeing it yeah and just, Mulderac was in the demo i think if i remember right i feel like they actually put him in a different place than he's supposed to be in yeah. So that people could test it out. But yeah, he's in the demo, so it just kind of feels like I enjoy fighting him, but yeah, yeah. he's fine. Yeah, he's he's fine. And you have you have Gear him, which I mean we'll get to him. And I mean that in a great way. Because he's just him. he's just a great time. He's the best. He, he, I forgot <laughs> to mention him, it's also one of the best parts of this game. Yeah. Gearham's Gearham is great. As far as the character designs go, um, yeah, I think it I think it's a good step up. I think it's a step away from the the weird, the weirder aspects of of previous zelda games like what twilight princess was trying to draw upon or like the more like 
the the NPCs you kind of just accept at face value at Wind Waker because of its art style and tries to go well like not completely grounded there's some definitely exaggerated features it's um it works it works I think it's good yeah like the uh the potion shop guy feels like straight out of Wind Waker he does yeah but in like I don't know I I honestly think that most of the human designs they really work for me yeah like you get a real sense of how people in Skyloft dress. There's like a good mixture of anime and Zelda weirdness, but never going into like the ugh. like the head like the headmaster having the the goofy eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It all just kind of those, those are fun for me. Those are those are fun. So I definitely yeah, I I overall like them. There's not really many who I think are particularly put me off. I thought that, yeah, I thought they were I thought they were decent overall. So yeah, I'm I'm a fan, and I'm I'm weirdly fond of the fun fun island guy. I don't know why. <laughs> I am too. He just, I don't know, the voice clips he makes, and I'm not even going to attempt to reenact when he goes, yes, that. I think the bamboo guy is pretty funny as well. Yeah, he's like, he's like just a quirky design. Um, and the fact that he just has, I guess, a beer gut just hanging out. <laughs> I just like this little personal history that he was like the old teen heartthrob in Skyloft. <laughs> yeah. And then he's, yeah, he's a real... He's a real character, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I like the little, I like the little characters. I like um, Fledge, um, Buff Fledge. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, Gruce's cronies. Gruce. Um, yeah. I wish you got to get more. I don't know. I I wish that like post the start of your journey. I just wish there was more things. I wish that there yeah. was more like interactions with the school. Like, I wish there were more interactions with, like, those professor guys. Yeah, that starts to feel a little bit know. hollow after the after the beginning. Yeah. It's kind of unfortunate. It's just, there's just, like, a bigger, richer version of this game that, like, doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, that's kind of frustrating. Yeah, it's kind of an aspect that I always kind of felt tangible. It's just, like, what's, what's here is good. And I think they were trying to reclaim the heart of Wind Waker in some respects when coming to this game. They just had to make a bunch of other concessions and they had to make a Wii game. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so there's just, there were clearly things just a lot left on the table and it's, it's more spread out than Wind Waker, but I think the end of the result is that Wind Waker is a much more striking game. Even if you feel the hollowness in areas, Skyward Sword, dang it, I'm just making comparisons again, but just, it just, it just has that sense of adventure, like the ocean and the waves and it, yeah. you know, I just think about like windfall and you just don't the music and everything and there's just not super yeah that moment i I think skyward sword's presentation doesn't collectively reach that same peak in any way like whatsoever i would say for me it does kind of i really think that like lunaria mining facility the dungeon the third dungeon there were moments where i was like just kind of blown away yeah by the color Obviously, like the ride to the to um, the spring after the boss. Yes. Um, there are certain like it's beautiful. Like there are certain points in that dungeon where I just kind of like sat with it, and I was like, "Oh, this is awesome." Yeah, it's like a good. It's like a, it's just kind of a perfect like spot where like both like mechanics and artistry kind of meet in one place. And yeah. I yeah, anything to do with time stones in this game is. Really, time stones are the best thing ever. They're they if they, if you're gonna play Skyward Sword for anything, you play it for the time stone parts of the game. They're all which are all really good, and it's kind of bewildering how much the rest of the game doesn't really even compare. Not the rest of the, the rest of it's bad. It's just like 
this is just like this is operating on a completely different level yeah compared to like the degree of thought that went into the rest of the like the areas in the game and like i mean ancient cisterns great overall but uh i don't know time stones are just <laughs> crazy awesome i don't have anything more articulate than that but that yeah i don't know just that that fusion of thought care gameplay mechanics and, and artistry coming together where you're dy- like dynamically changing an area like that and there's just yeah <laughs> it's great it's definitely the best part of the art direction that's for sure it's really yeah. really good so um so i'm gonna venture more into the sound territory and i'm gonna start by saying um that well, it, it's it's sort of twofold. I think that the cutscene direction in this game is such a step above um, everything that came before. Absolutely. You know, it's sweeping. It's really well done. The camera's great. You know, the scenes are great. The pacing's great. I'm a big fan of it. And I think more, much more so than when I played Twilight Princess, I felt the pang from the lack of voice acting in this one yeah it's something and i don't know this sort of ties in the presentation like the text speed the reading is so frustrating in this game and just feels (laughs) so tedious that it made every cutscene feel longer than it was and it just wasn't like as clean and it just couldn't be as dynamic and yeah i definitely felt at this point that I was ready for characters to speak. Yeah. Like going back and watching and and playing the game. It's just so slow. It's just so sluggish and it's just a huge bummer. Yeah. Um, So I I do think that's a problem, but I, you know, at the same time, the soundtrack is, I really love it. You know, for me, it's not, I mean, I don't think I've had a game that soundtrack I want to listen to all the pieces from as much since like Ocarina of Time. And like, uh, we haven't had a Koji Kondo soundtrack in since Majora's? Uh, Wind Waker. Wind Waker? Mm-hmm. Was he? Oh, but they brought on a lot of other people, too, to help out because they were on such a tight schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one, of, one of the main returning composers we have from, from Wind Waker, who wasn't on for Skyward Sword, was uh, Hajime Wakai. Uh, Toru Minigeshi, who was basically on board from Ocarina through Twilight Princess, is off now at this point. Um, we have uh, Shiho Fuji, who has, I think, started sometime, I think, started with We Fit, which your first thought might be, like, that's not especially promising, but, I mean, it's fine. She went on to do Animal Crossing City Folk, New Survivor Brothers Wii, and then Skyward Sword at this point. It's not much. And actually, that's the thing, is we have we have a fair number of newcomers on here to begin with. Um, she would go on to do Mario Kart 8 and Splatoon 1 and 2 and Super Mario Odyssey, so she's definitely got a reputation for sure. And then we have uh, Takeshi Hama, who I guess he just helped out a little bit because he did uh, maybe, I think he did Super Mario 3D Land and then he did Skyward Sword. And that was basically all he ever did. I don't really have any comments to say. That's just it. That's just all he did. So he might have just helped with some type of arrangement or or supervision. And then, uh, of course, we have uh, the powerhouse Mahito Yokota, (laughs) which with the introduction of orchestrated music makes complete sense that he's, he's on board here. Um, I don't think, I think just the hot take, I don't think his work here even compares to Galaxy. That's that's a strong comparison. I don't think it's even, that's it's not that stark of a difference. But Galaxy's, I think the music that hit, like just, there's just so many songs that hit just masterpiece levels there. 
And the stuff here is very, very good, like A tier good stuff. Um, but I think I think just the sheer difference in the series being composed for I think uh, affected not affected the degree of the compositions. Just it just it was a different environment for him to work with. I think. But what's here that's orchestrated like the cuts? Yeah, I think he was probably primarily responsible for like some of the cutscene work. Which yeah, I'd, oh, and he's got to be responsible for the flying thing because that yeah. like, screams Odyssey. Yeah, yeah, it does. I'm. Weird opinion. I'm mostly. I think this. I think the flying theme is. I think it's pretty good. I don't think it's like amazing though. <laughs> yeah, you can fight me over that. I, My biggest thing, problem with the flying theme is that it restarts at the top every time you dismount your bird. Yeah, there's no real. That's my biggest. I wish there was a better uh, like transition to like a soft sort of flying theme. Yeah. Um, into it, but yeah, no, sorry, I'm gonna die on the hill that it's one of my favorite <laughs> things of all time, and I will keep flying until I hear that, like, one particular refrain that I love. Yeah. So. It's it's good. Screw you, Kyler. It, <laughs> Finally a place where we have a real difference of opinion. Yeah. <laughs> it's a piece man. of music. It's it's good, though. It's good. I like it. Um, I'm, I'm a gigantic fan of Coloco's boss theme. Just my absolute one of my absolute favorite pieces of music in this game. It's so good. It's so it's so unbelievably good. Um, but personal favorites would also come down to uh, Gearhem's theme and yes. all its variations. Those are those are great. Even even just the main theme before the actual fight and the fight the boss fight theme itself. Those those are great. I love the feel of it. The the mariachi feel to the second fight <laughs> is such a great little touch. And then just the escalation, the third fight as well is really good. And I, it's not especially memorable, but I love how much the final parts of the, the demise fight adds to the atmosphere. Like everything that's going on with it is is really, it's not a particularly, it's like a, like a 45 second loop or something like that. It's not especially long, but they just really, on type of yeah, like, it has a real soaring feel to it. Yeah, with the thunder and it's very cool. And the fact that the fight can overwhelm you if you're not prepared for it, it it helps. Uh, yeah. he, the first time I ever played this game, he killed me. Yeah. Now I know what to do. It's not that bad, but wow, the first time. Yeah, I was not ready. He can he can experience. feel really threatening, and I think the atmosphere comes together really. I think that's probably my favorite part of the art direction. That entire scene oh, is beautiful. So I love yeah. that so. It's really, it's up there for the Wind Waker water falling down fight for me. Yeah. Just like really good, just really awesome venues. Yeah. Fights. It's a lot more arbitrary. It's kind of weird, but. Um, yeah, it's totally silly that he's like, yeah, so, uh, you know, just come meet me in the wormhole whenever you want <laughs> to And we'll just fight in this but, arena of yeah, endless water drenched field. And, but I'm like, you know what, whatever. This game's been such a game of moments. I don't really care what it does <laughs> anymore. So that, that for me, yeah. The, the music there, while not like, yeah, it's not like exceedingly memorable, but it just strikes. And I think it, it strikes almost in the same way that the Ganon theme from Ocarina does. Just a beautiful piece of atmosphere. So, yeah. Um, it really. And two very different, I don't know, sort of feelings i guess between the two of those yeah but very like i don't know it's really cool um i love the mini boss theme slash like i guess you know sort of the stalfos fight music yeah i have loved that since like the demo 
since like this game was on the show floor like a decade ago yeah <laughs> and i was listening through and i was like you know listening through the recordings of you playing this game and i was like whatever that is i love it so i've always loved that um the like romantic theme with zelda is just yeah. wonderful like the cutscene music slaps so hard <laughs> um it's so good uh and then um just like the Lanero mining facility music oh it that and then the not when you're on the boat in the sand sea which is good but when you're in that sand sea portion and you're not when you're like on land that yeah whatever that theme is just i really i guess like, like just any of the the yeah i know what you're talking about i don't know how to like title it but it's just the islands out in the sand sea yeah and some of those i can't really i can't really hum them all to you and i think like just in general there's a lot less hummable music since like ocarina's main themes were all based on like three notes like it was so tied to like the ocarina music yeah um and being so much more melodic at times than atmospheric as it is more so here but you know i would just stand on those islands or just like sit in Lene reminding facility and just like listen and be like blown away by the the atmosphere and the music and it's just the most recognizable dungeon music in which like themes exist and it's not just like a yeah. cacophony of sounds since ocarina yeah like not even majora's mask like they like seriously since ocarina since i've had dungeon themes where i could like really just like listen to them and enjoy them and also the the seamless transition between uh past and present in all of the Linera stuff and the music transitions oh. uh it's all money I, it's all good yeah i love how the mining facility picks up it almost gets like more sinister when it's alive and i really yeah. i like i like that effect to it and then sand the the sand ship in particular has a straight up different um i think it plays more I don't really know how to explain it because I have to. I now I have to like bring it up in my mind. Well, there's an outside and an inside and a past and a present. Yeah, and like the, the past are. one, I think leans like you know it leans like one side leans into minor and the other leads into major more. So it like it's almost like it's not even just coming alive like the mining facility does. They outright have like contrasting like parts on that, and I really like how that was handled as well. So that was that was good. Um, what, what else? Earth Temple, I always enjoy. It's just low-key yes. simple. Yes, oh, the Earth Temple. Oh, it's really fun. Yeah. That that is nice. Yes, I can hum that one to you. Yeah. I know exactly a, what that one sounds like. That's a that's a You know, I actually like the Skyview Temple, too. I like how the music evolves as you get deeper into the dungeon. Skyview, the E3 demo, when I heard Skyview and immediately, uh, I think uh, ZREO, Zelda Reorchestrated, made a reorchestration of that, I... I I love that piece atmospherically. I loved how that was handled. Yeah, I remember watching the demo and hearing that and just being excited. I was like, oh, they're doing it. They're doing, they're doing it. it. <laughs> oh, uh, I don't know. I think there might not be as many, like, the themes, like, the specific, like, really, like, catchy, like, oh, I'm going to, that theme's going to stick with me. I'm going to bring it back. I don't think there's as many of those, but... It's, I think it is a very lush listening experience, yeah. in my opinion. Oh, and the Silent Realm versions of all the themes are awesome. Those are pretty dang cool. They're so good. They're so brilliant. <laughs> I, liked, I liked a lot how those handled. And also, the uh, I usually don't... Like, there was one point where I made, it, like, I made it a point to actually try to hear more 
of the uh, the Guardian theme, but that <laughs> that is <laughs> Good luck. frightening. Oh my goodness. It's <laughs> that, the scariest oh. thing to ever happen in a video game. Ah, oh, just the use of sound design mixed with the just the run of that kind of weird synthy bass. That that is yeah. great. And then you have the the flying guardians that are like sharpening their swords while they're flying towards you. I'm like, ooh, I don't, I, yes. I don't like any of this. You know, and I think that's a good point. I think this game has a lot of great sound design. It does. I really do appreciate. Um, you know, you've got some of the stuff with like the bugs and the cicadas that you can actually go and catch. The wind in the desert blowing in the tumbleweeds yeah. is a very nice touch. Um, and then also, yeah, like the little tear pickup sound effects. Oh, what's another one that I was thinking of? Let me think. Um, oh, of course, the um, the enemy hit sound effects kind of going back into sort of Wind Waker territory. Yeah. Uh, with like that musical little flourish. And actually something that I wanted to mention about Twilight Princess that I forgot that was sort of a, actually an issue I had with the game. Oh, shocking, an issue I had with the game. <laughs> no one saw that coming. Uh, but um, I... I didn't really like how every enemy in Twilight Princess, I didn't like the explosion effect of exploding to Twilight. Yeah. I actually think it kind of undercut the art direction in that game because it just made it less dark. It made anything you kill feel like a fabrication, I guess. Yeah. Like it was just sort of an image being projected from the Twilight. It didn't really feel like a real thing. And I really enjoy with Skyward Sword that anytime you kill something, even could be like a bug or whatever, that there's like that like death ghost face afterwards and that like <laughs> yeah. little sound. Yeah. Like, little, like almost like a soul escaping sound. They're like, yeah, the game is cartoony, but man, that sound is really cool. Yeah. It's effective. It is. It's it's a nice, nice little touch. I atmospherically, I don't think it reaches the heights of Ocarina Majora's mask in places, but I think like overall, it's I think overall like it's really, really well done. Um, I think particularly like anytime I'm in like uh, Lineru Desert, I can always they they made it a point. They probably they recorded like real cicadas or something like that in order for you to hear Lineru cicadas, and you're just like, oh yeah, oh they're nearby. And that's I don't know. I like details like that, and I thought that was overall well done. There's a very um, I think there's a I don't want to call it a codified sound direction or sound design. There's a very clear focus of trying to like Zeldify every aspect of sound and that's that comes down to more like i can't really explain it but it comes down to like menu stuff that happens or how you assign items all the all the little sounds that they make they're like trying to do like almost like make it more i can't describe it like a more official and like if you go forward into like games following after this up before breath of the wild um i think it becomes like kind of more apparent that they're they do you get what i'm saying at all like it's the little menu sparkles and the menu like sounds that are that are made like when you pick up like a new item and then it appears in your menu. <laughs> I'm having the worst time explaining this, but maybe. So I it's just something I picked up on that definitely started more so with uh, with this game, and I'm I'm always I'm, I'm neutral on it. I think it's fine, but um, I can say that the menus outside of um, the quick the quick menus for items and for. Um, the fact that like your bottles are all like live use, which is awesome. I, I do love like that, that a lot. change. Um, I think all those things are effective, but I do think that like the menu is just clunky, it's too slow, the dialogue's too slow, and then of course, like we can't not mention like 
the gratitude crystal treasure pickup guys ah yeah can we talk about learn this lesson can we talk about ux it's so bad (laughs) it's so sluggish it there's certain things like it's not huge but there are certain things you literally don't want to do because it's so sluggish like say i want to go sell bugs to the blonde bug guy oh Um, yeah i can't remember which one's name is which Ah, i don't Um, know his name either Edward Grease's friends. So you want to go sell bugs to him. And so, okay, go through the dialogue. Hey, I'm selling bugs. I love bugs. Okay, all right. All right, this is what I'm selling. Blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. What do you want to sell? Select. All right, how many of them do you want to sell? One, five, none, or all of them? (laughs) Okay. This is how many. Okay, that's how many? Okay, that's gonna be X amount of rupees. Is that okay? Yes. <laughs> then if you're like, oh, I wanna sell them a different bug or I wanna sell them a, a, an amount that's not one five or all of them, then get ready to go through that entire menu interaction again. Like, <sighs> oh, you wanna get a potion? Well, you're gonna get the explanation for the potion every single time. You wanna talk to the potion guy? He's gonna explain to you that he makes potions better every single time. And the dialogue is very slow. <laughs> you have to go through the menu every single time. And it's like, but there are other parts of the game that it gets it. Because yeah. like, say with like um, anything that's ever on any walls, like any notes on walls, they'll just show up on your screen. Yeah. So like you're in the, you know, Elaine Desert and you'll see the, my, the robots, you know, little messages. They'll just be up there. Or you take, one of my favorite little things is like you take a seat somewhere and sometimes something will happen or someone will talk to you and it will spark some sort of interaction, which is cool. Yeah. You know, I really enjoy that. That's neat. But then it's just like, why, why isn't it just that when I go up to the potion, like that potion just displays what it is in front of me? Yeah. Like there's so many things where it's like, why it's. It's choices like that where the game feels like that even at the time this game felt like 10 years older than everything else. Yeah. Like those choices are so tedious and by this point other games had already figured that out and it just drives you crazy. Yeah, there was there was a reason as to why every time I replay this game on the Wii I was always using cheats to get instant text display and uh, and also turn off any notifications and <laughs> I just was like, I was, I knew having, especially since I'm playing it digitally on the Wii U, I was just like, well, going to need to experience this game for what it is anyway. I'm just, so it's not really fair, but man, it just, uh, it just takes, you and I both came together and were just like, man, like we want to talk to NPCs, but we just don't feel like, we just feel discouraged from doing so because it takes 10 years. It takes forever. And and the default text speed, like whatever, like default text speed in Zelda games is usually like at a a medium whatever pace. But then you usually almost always got the option like barring Ocarina and that came down to mostly a localization mistake more than anything to not have the text speed adjust appropriately. But there were still places in that game and in almost every, a, a lot of stuff in Majora's Mask can be moved through pretty quickly. That was the case with Twilight Princess and Wind Waker that you could do that. The menuing, the moving to next text box in Twilight Princess felt particularly slow. And it's also like that you press the A button and it just feels like there's like you're pushing molasses for just how slow it just goes in the next box. And there's also the option to speed up text, 
but it's negligible to which uh, which I was like, why <laughs> is this yeah, the case? Yeah, I was holding case? the button. I was like, I think it is. It is doing something. It, it does, <laughs> but it does almost nothing. And I think some part of this was to adjust for characters doing special motions or gestures or animations, which makes sense. Which is sense. why there should have just been voice acting. Yeah, that's just it. It's just in the, and like in cutscenes, I'm fine. Like if we have to just get normal pace to go along with it, like that's fine. For every other interaction, though, it's just painfully slow. It's just so frustrating. And you, yeah. you pointed out with the whole menu stuff. It's just like you just want to deal with that stuff as little as possible. And it helps that like generally it doesn't have to be too bad. But yeah, there's just there's so much redundancy in, in as far as the, how things are handled. Like you get your get you an upgrade and the guy is like, all right, I did it. OK, is there anything else? And then you need to get back in the menu and then point it out again. And um, it's just, ah, why? It's just all so slow. It's just, it's just way why? too slow. man? And it's just, uh, and the notification thing. Oh. You know, when this game came out, and honestly, even now, it has a weird reputation, in my opinion, weird, that the intro of the game is super long and ridiculous and just too much. And I'm like, I, you just get down to the ground and then you can go wherever. This isn't like Twilight Princess where it literally takes you three and a half hours to get to Hyrule Field. Yeah. And you go to the forest three separate times and it's bludgeoning your desire to live out of you <laughs> and, you know, threatening you to play the game anymore. Sorry. Yeah. At the beginning of that game is an experience. It's so much. It's too much. This game, in comparison, there's it's fairly straightforward. I think... What it suffers from is that the cutscenes run just a little bit too long, especially that first cutscene with Zelda. Oh, yeah. It's too long. It's too long because it takes the controller out of your hands, but also requires you to press dialogue. Yeah. You might be able to make it through that three minute cutscene if there was voice acting and you were just like watching and like, sure, it's a movie, but okay, like you're engaged. But like having to put in those inputs add to this sort of level of tedium with it. That, like, by the time you get through all these cutscenes, like, I get it. It feels like a lot. But people always come back to, oh, you got to rescue that cat, you know, and do all these silly things. The only thing you do is rescue that cat. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally, you just rescue that cat, and then there's some cutscenes, and you fly, and you get the statue, and that's literally all you do. Yeah. There's no other tedious tasks. It's just a lot of cutscenes, and the dialogue is so slow. Yeah. That, you know, it was even testing my patience. A little bit. Yeah. It's not as mechanically interesting as Twilight Princess um, or diverse, if we're going to put it that way. Or demanding. So. Or demanding. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You don't, you, don't get, you don't get really introduced as to as much stuff with it, which is kind of a, like a small downer, I guess. Um, it, it is. It's not, it's not very interesting. Um, and yeah, I think it does. Like, it's just, you know, it's more cutscene driven. And I think just simply the lack of voice acting in the places where it seems like it plainly should be there kind of detracts from that um it helps that you have some early moments in the game that are that are at least pretty compelling or really like atmospherically really cool uh follow fi the the, the music specifically and also the moment yes. is, oh, is so great good. i always really really enjoy that oh i can't believe we didn't bring up her theme I, I was wanting to get to it and then we got <laughs> we got here yeah, but that, well, that's it's a, wonderful yeah that's it's a, so wonderful it will make you feel affection for a robot that has no personality oh <laughs> uh, we'll uh yeah, we'll get to, or maybe we'll get to her now. I guess I, I don't know if this is incorporated as part of this. Um, <laughs> as far, I mean, as far as sound score art direction goes, kind of. Well, I mean, as far as what this game is conveying and how it uses its time, 
Um, I, I think about Twilight Princess and how I think about how much wasted time there is and how much leads up to so little of anything. Skyward Sword, I think, has the same problem. I think it's more focused, but I still feel like there's a lot of stuff going on that just like doesn't really amount to a whole lot of much of anything except just to move the game forward, like move the plot forward a little more. The focus helps definitely. And it helps just keep like it helps it so that when you're just going along your adventure, you're just like, yeah, maybe I'm not like that, except like apart from being invested in Zelda, at least I'm not like I'm not interested in much of anything else, but at least every like the trip is mostly a pretty good time. Get, going on to Fi, Fee, you called her Fee. Fee, I, I think it's Fee. I think you're correct. I think that's actually like the, the pronunciation of the Greek letter is what it's the name is based on. Um I like there, there were the intrusions there. I, I, I ended up coming out on the other side feeling more, not so much like overall irritated with her. It was just more like, like it's just weirdly, she's just like weirdly inconsistent actually. The places that she decides to pop up and just be mega redundant are like just sporadic and really weird. Um, and they also just, I, I don't, they don't make any sense. There's part like early in the game, she's about as talkative as Midna. People might not like to admit that, but she really is just about as talkative as Midna. And I forgot that Midna was really talkative early game. Oh, I was so mad about Midna in the forest <laughs> temple after you get the item. Well, that's cool. I guess we should keep poking around. It's a Zelda dungeon. Where else am I going to go? Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I'm sure like, so, you know, fees, you know, there's a, 80% chance if we go through that door, we'll find what we're looking Ugh, for. Wasn't so different than what Midna said. And like, I actually think whatever you find is more annoying might depend on your personality. Yeah. Uh, because I found, I wanted Fee to stop interrupting me playing the game. Yeah. But I always felt, I think at least here, I always felt like it was my quest and she was supporting me. Yeah. Versus feeling like this character was telling me what to do and like, like I was being dragged around. Yeah. So I actually like that can make a pretty big difference. I don't enjoy it per se. Here's what I'll say about Fee is that I think the whole I, the problem with Fee maybe is that she's a robot character. Robot learns to love, but you're not a character. Yeah. So it's like she doesn't really have great development because you don't really see her asking questions about herself or sort of like going into like her own sentience. Like, I don't feel like you witness her having any sort of revelation until literally the end of the game. Yeah. But even then, if I'm like, well, how would they even do that? Because like you're silent. I guess you could talk to her. And I do appreciate that they give you dialogue options in this game. Yeah. I think it just makes Link feel like more of a character and a little less <laughs> wooden that he that you can have him say something so we can assume that he's not just a silent weirdo. Yeah. Um, but, but I just think that it's kind of a missed opportunity and there just isn't enough there with her. But I will tell you the first time I played the game and she went away and she, you know, said that she learned about humanity or whatever and felt happiness. I cried. <laughs> I didn't this time, but also th this time Impa really got me. Impa and uh, Zelda apologizing for like wrapping link up and all of this before she seals herself away. Yeah. Those, that was good. I, that I enjoyed good. that. Woo, I enjoyed that. that and then link bit. Zelda and Groose coming together. I thought that was those, those hit, those felt like plot threads from the start coming like character arcs from the start coming full circle with each other. And I was that, I thought the reunion was really, really good overall. Yeah. 
I was a big fan of that. I thought that was good. And then immediately followed by Gear him kidnapping her. I was like, okay, all right, this is this is good. Okay. Oh, it's like spooky. I knew he was about to storm in and it still got me to jump. It was a pretty solid jump scare. Yeah, yeah. He kind of got in and he's like, all right, I'm uh I'm I'm getting down to business now. I'm like, okay, oh. <laughs> all right. So that yeah, that was good. The ending with with Fee, um, yeah, I thought it was fine. There's not a lot of stuff that moves me to begin with, so that might be my more my my issue, and my dead heart. But <laughs> that's not that's not really true. I'm just never moved by a lot of stuff in particular. It takes a lot for it to be like super compelling. But I felt like the 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 arcs of Link, Zelda, and Groose coming together at the end was was good. So I really like that. Um, yeah. Speaking of Link's character, like or just his character, at least as much as he can be. I do like the degree of agency you get. I, I had a little too much fun making just Link to be a massive troll. Of course you did. My Link is a total gentleman. I I knew, oh, I knew what you would do. Every time I came into the Knights Academy, I threw the pots near the lady. <laughs> I upset her every single time. And I was like, someday I'm going to get expelled because she keeps threatening me. <laughs> I did roll into that shopkeeper's expense, his wife's expensive pottery one time. Just oh, to, just to see. <laughs> yeah. That's a throwback to Wind Waker right there. And I appreciate yeah, that one too. I, love that. I also love going into Beetle's shop, looking at an item and just leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Beetle's dialogue changes at night. Oh yeah. He gets I the think weird that's accent. a really delightful touch. <laughs> it's so at least as much of an accent as a character just having little, exclamations can have but i i like that he's just kind of a bit of a weirdo at night so yeah yeah. they're they're the character interaction across the game is overall is overall like really good like maybe all of skyloft isn't like particularly great but there there are just some bits that i like and i also i'm weirdly fond of the fortune teller (laughs) like every time he says like good like good luck young man like and he just he's like oh and i'm just like yeah you know what you're all right. You might look really strange and like you're staring into my soul, but I don't know. You have a good heart. So I was weirdly okay with them. <laughs> so they're, they're, they're interactions I liked or, oh, oh yeah, the uh, the vendor. The vendor and every time you're like, you just decline and he has that moment. Or you moment. turn around and his face immediately drops. Yeah, he just immediately is just exhausted and you, you talk to him at night and he's just like, oh yeah, there's just a front I put up. I have to sell stuff, man. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Yeah. I like that. There, there's, there's enough little bits. Like it's not all the way fleshed out, and it ain't no Majora's Mask. But I think, I think if we're channeling Wind Waker here, this is pretty good. This is pretty good overall. And there's, a, there's a lot of little things I definitely like for sure. So yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I like. I, there's just, there's a lot of nice moments, and I really like Gruce's character development. I've always liked him as a character. Ah, Gruce is great. And I just think like the Imba connection, the time travel in this game makes absolutely no sense. But emotionally, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally fine with it. It <laughs> doesn't make any sense, but oh man, those crazy kids when they come back and the reaction to seeing Impa and seeing the bangle fall and yeah, <sighs> that was great. I really like that. That I was know. good. I just, so yeah, I, I really do like the story a lot, and I think that it works. You chase Zelda for the, through the first three dungeons, so it doesn't feel like collect three. It feels like you're on a journey to like find her. Everything just kind of like has repetition, maybe sometimes too much. <laughs> hmm. But it all comes back in the end for the most part. Yeah. Um, you know, and you see um it's the repetition of like how you chase after Zelda, but then you also like I really enjoy how you have like these repeat encounters with Girahim. 
And, like, when you have Zelda's absence in, like, the latter half of the game, like, he's still there sort of messing with you and, like, kind of keeping you tied to, like, that longer journey. Yeah. Um, because you've put a tailspin into his plans because he doesn't know where Zelda is. And, of course, it's setting up. Like, as soon as you open that gate, you're like, this isn't going to be good. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, it's... I, I don't know. I really like that aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah, when it comes down to, like, the overall, just what you get to go through, at least as far as the repeat, like, the good parts of the repeats and everything and the way, like, the driving part of the story, it's it's good. When it comes to, like, the details and the thing that, that, the, that Skyward Sword tries to establish as being, like, the origin of all origins and such, I find it to be really, if almost, like, severely inconsequential. It just I, I just don't find it to be particularly meaningful when it comes down to the broader plot of the of the story and i'm like i'm also at the same time like disinterested in knowing more if if only because like they just kind of made me disinterested where i'm just like oh so that's kind of this and this but you didn't like explore any deeper than that and i'm like okay i'm not like the stuff regarding the triforce like the triforce is just it's just there and you just collect it and it kind of just you kind of just get it (laughs) and it's like okay that's fine i guess um nothing's really thoroughly explored or understood about demise just that he's just the origin of ganondorf in a sense and zelda's effectively like she's a reincarnation of the goddess Helia. and i just i don't find those to be like when it comes down to the, the parts that actually matter to me in the game the character the it, this is a it's a more of a character driven story i yeah. think it's taking what what kind of worked about twilight princess and it kind of like there's there's none of the in, like the intrigue that's like oh, I'd really like to see Twilight Princess elaborated on properly. Skyward Sword I'm I've, I'm just pretty whatever about, but like it, the character interaction at least makes the the start to end I think a pretty worthwhile experience, which is which is good. I think at least if it's gonna get something right, at least it makes it more interesting in the end. But when it comes to like the ending of the game, as far as like Link and Zelda being down there and just you know you know, reclaiming Hyrule in that sense. It, I don't know. I just don't feel much of anything for it. This, this ain't no Wind Waker. Wind Waker had so much more to say with its overarching themes. And I don't, th- oh, yeah. I think those are just really, really missing here. In fact, even compared to like Twilight Princess, there's not like a really overarching theme. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you could, we could probably think of some, but I think, I don't know. I think the character. It's really just like it's a romance story. It's a it's yeah. a really character based story. Yeah. But I will say at least a lore thing I do appreciate. I do like the like goddess Hylia origin reincarnate. It makes I don't know. It makes Zelda and her like ties to it all kind of make more sense. And I do think mm. that like yeah. there's something about the goddess statue in Hylia that feels, especially as the series now has gone on, feels like it's almost always been there. It feels like a really mm. natural fit. Yeah. To have that sort of supersede or be sort of in addition to um, like Nehru and Feror and Din. Yeah. So I really like that aspect. I can um, see that. Yeah. I think we should go ahead and move on to what this game draws from previous entries. How does it move forward? And I want to start the discussion by sort of going into a little bit of the interesting things that Skyward Sword sort of brings to the table or iterates on in interesting ways. Um, obviously, motion controls made yeah. a huge, you know, a huge upgrade hmm. um, from Twilight Princess. I think, again, like, the only thing that really bothers me is, like, bomb rolling is just annoying. Ah, uh, it's irritating. That's just not, a wrist is not most, meant to go yeah, that way. For the most part, I think 
Like, I vibe with the motion controls pretty well. The stamina. I love the stamina system. Mm, yeah. I'm a big fan of just traversal and movement in this game just feels so much cleaner and just so much better than ever before. Blink running, climbing, you know, leaping up things. I think it all feels really good. And so that's something I really appreciate. And I just the inclusion of treasure and the upgrade system, like it sort of falls off toward the end of the game, hmm. but it's just like a nice little micro task that keeps you engaged and exploring. And it's just like one of those things that feels like an upgrade to like Twilight Princess's bug quest. So I really enjoy that here. And I really like the Silent Realms. I wouldn't, you know, the Silent Realms aren't something I would want to see come back, but it takes those ideas from gathering the tears of light in Twilight Princess and it just transforms them into something that I think is really awesome. Yeah, so those are some core things um, that I think are great. And also to follow up on my research from last episode, I did look into the heart piece numbers for Skyward Sword and I was actually kind of surprised because you started the game with six hearts, so we're already cutting them down. Plus, you have two heart medals, so that's, you know, those kind of hearts. And so that's another eight pieces that you've cut down. So we're already starting with a lot less numbers. And plus, playing the game, I was like, wow, a lot of these come from goddess cubes and just in the environment. But what I found was, so there's 24 total heart pieces. You get four of them in dungeons. So something I like about that is that you don't know when you're going to find one, so it just kind of feels a little bit more organic. It's not like there's two in every single dungeon, like in Twilight Princess. And then NPC minigame-involved heart pieces, there's nine plus a life medal, and then I had a couple of ones that could sort of go either way. Just a reminder from Twilight Princess, there were only nine NPC minigame-involved heart pieces. <laughs> so that's... That's kind of wild to me. I was really surprised by that, especially since Skyward Sword gets so much mileage off of the gratitude crystals and kind of using that to sort of supplement like smaller individual side quests. Yeah. Um, but what I will say is that I can't be too easy on the game because I gave Twilight Princess a lot of flack for that same number. And so I'm also going to do it here <laughs> a little bit. Um, yeah. But I will also say that the heart, the amount of hearts you start with 100% does not bother me. They are totally necessary and they help the game be way more balanced. And yeah. I do appreciate the sort of flexibility and experimentation of the inventory system and the adventure pouch of like augmenting yourself with different metals, you know, however many bottles you want. You know, I appreciate that they let you make choices there and, you know, have the upgrade system. And so I, I think, you know, it's interesting for a nonlinear game that there's a, some systems in this game, they're not the most fleshed out thing in the world, but I really do appreciate that sort of leap that they've taken. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, yeah, the Venture Pouch in particular, I, I don't think I really utilized it that much. And I think it's just because I had a pretty easy time with this game, mostly just because of familiarity. You come back to stuff and it's like, you know, you're just used to certain things about it. And so I wasn't utilizing it like a whole ton, but, um, you know, it was just, I, I still like the idea of it a lot. And I still was very active about like upgrading my shield where possible, at least up until the point where I didn't really need to do it anymore. Um, keeping my potions kind of up to spec if I ever used any of them. And so I think it was just nice that there's an aspect of the game to kind of really think about just a little bit more uh, going into areas. And um, going on to like the motion controls, I, <laughs> you mentioned it earlier, 
being used to the switch, especially. And I'm kind of in the same spot. I, I kind of just couldn't help but feel like in any, in any part of the game where like, I was like, yeah, if we could just substitute like analog control, that'd be nice about now. Um, that's that I would have kind of preferred it just like flying or flying swimming. I was okay with swimming, but I, I weirdly like desynced a lot. I don't know why, like my sensor went out out of sync fairly often with swimming and I don't know why that was, but it was kind of annoying. So I was just like, well, here, every time I had to jump into water, it's like, well, time to desync my remote and deal with that. I had to resync it and calibrate it like a good number of times over the course of this playthrough. So I was not a fan of how much of a pace breaker that can be. I also just kind of have an issue with how the gyro sensor is kind of handled in this game. It seems like it's always active. And so the result is like, just naturally over the course of time, the thing is going to fall out of sync and you're just going to have to readjust it. I don't know if you ran into this too much. I don't know what it was with me, but... I mean, I definitely pressed whatever down. I recentered it all oh, the time. Oh, as far as pointing, definitely. I use that a bunch. Uh, I didn't have as, as much of an issue with that. But as far as like when you're holding the sword and you're holding it neutral, like I had times like it just drift over time and, huh. and not be... I don't know. I might just not have noticed it, but generally I don't... I never really had to recalibrate it. Okay. I'm never... I have the official Skyward Sword golden. I feel like, I feel like that helped or something. Uh, I did have a problem with like my nunchucks all being bad. So oh. I would keep like unplugging and replugging them uh, and they would start freaking out. But I didn't really have any Wii Motion Plus issues. Yeah. I think as far as the motion controls are, like I can, I'm fine with them. Um, they just feel superfluous in a lot of places. Like aiming controls are always great. Sword controls are mostly like fine like i like as far as like what they are i like them they're like i enjoy what they are i like how the sort of mechanical man mechanics handle but i think just the inconsistency is something i just start to notice more every time i come like i may i might have not cared for it and tried to get used to it as much as i could playing the game initially i think i was just kind of more adept for just being able to jump into that and just try to figure that out coming back to it now it just kind of feels like it's like man i just didn't really want to do that in particular and just running into that and also thrusts are just kind of the worst <laughs> in this game <laughs> they're like i've found some ways of doing it and i'm like i still don't like how it feels on my wrist to even do it in the first place so i just yeah there's some aspects that is like and the game will in places demand for you to, to, to like to thrust and i i was just like i don't care for this but whatever um so I'm, I'm fine with it. It's some people overstate it. I think I think the superfluous aspects are what people get annoyed about. And I think that's completely fair. I, I don't particularly care for them. And if, if we got like an HD version that didn't really deal with it, I'd be like, sweet, that's that's cool. I don't mind that. But the sword controls are definitely integral to the game. Um, and, I, and I generally like how they're utilized. There are a couple things mechanically that I think are really stupid. And it doesn't it has less to do with the sword controls and more like I thought this is what the sword controls were designed for, and yet they're counterintuitive. That mostly has to do with almost purely just the Picoblins are like the only ones that really fall into this. Their blocking makes no sense. Every other enemy in the game is designed in a way like they put their guard up in a certain way, and you're like, okay, I can place my sword here and circumvent it. And you're and you're rewarded for such. And that's the Girahem fights are based around that. They're a little his he's a little more obscure. It's kind of hard to read. I still don't really necessarily get how to read it, but there is a way to read it and 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 slice the right way. But Coblins just never make any sense, and I always cheese them. And I kind of hate that. Like, I don't know. I don't understand what the thought process was there, but that always annoys the heck out of me every time I come back to this game. They're like the one part of the whole aim, like the swinging direction mechanic that, that never gels, and I don't understand why they were designed that way. Mm -hmm. So um, as far as other aspects, 
I mean, being done differently. I <laughs> probably the hardest thing for me coming back to this game, besides like the sluggish UX being a big piece of it, like having the pacing being bumped up definitely helps a lot and would help me get into the game more. I, I just don't like the structure of this game. Like the linearity is one thing going from one to the next and discovering new places. I think the best aspect of it is leaning into those new places. I just don't like that the structure is just so heavily based around reusing the areas or simply just use them. The aesthetic just starts to wear on you really, really heavily. Um, some part of the structure, and you brought this up as well about the DS games, or at least Phantom Hourglass having a really big influence on things. And I didn't even realize it until playing it again and putting the tablets in and being like, oh yeah, I guess that is, that that is, that's like a thing you do in that game. The Oracle games and Minish Cap um, by comparison were more, they were probably more related to Link to, Link's Awakening in that it's simply like just getting the item and also finishing the dungeon are what kind of are your key to the next area, but it kind of just, you kind of can just go there. Here, it's like you get the thing and then you need to take the thing to a special place. And that that's what actually specifically unlocks the next area. And I'm like fine with it. You only really deal with that for the first third of the game. It's, uh, you know, whatever. I don't have any positive or negative feelings on it. It's what it is. The the structure of reusing the areas, just the like, you know, bringing up what we said before about the areas aren't reused especially well. Like there's just not a lot of reason to revisit just the, the areas you've already been to. And then they mix in the new areas that helps the, the second part of the game, at least is it does a decent job of striking out from that. But the third section of the game is easily like the game, just Skyward Sword is a game that just kind of gets worse as it goes on. It doesn't get like dramatically worse, but you just kind of, I just kind of felt like, yeah, I'm just kind of ready for the game to be done. And I don't find this structure to be particularly satisfying for what it is. I just don't think it utilizes. I don't think it follows up on the promises that were made about how, like what the game was going to try to do. Yeah. I definitely don't disagree. I think my actually like my biggest the structural annoyance with it is is the first the when you go through the first three dungeons, just like the here's a new area, dows for this thing, find these things, there you go. Yeah. I just I find I found the silent realms get an item, then explore to be a lot more compelling. Yeah. Than just and the fact that it's just like find essentially pieces of a key. I don't know, I just found that to be that was where I got a little bit tired with the game. I don't I don't super mind the final part sort of retreads as much. I don't actually <laughs> like I don't know. They don't I know that they bother you, but I don't, I don't know. I kind of enjoy the stealth section, the dragon in uh Lineru and and I'm not I don't really have anything against the tad tones. I actually think like I don't know. I kind of think the concept of like flooding the woods and seeing it in some sort of different form is kind of cool. So it yeah. doesn't really bother me. It's conceptually interesting. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think I. When I came out of it, I was like, "Oh, okay, I got that over pretty quickly with it." And that's because I, again, familiarity helps a lot with that and being prepared for it. And so I just finally was like, "Yeah, this is fine." I don't know. I was. I came out pretty neutral. I was like, "I'd rather be doing something else," or like doing what the Lanero was doing, where they just straight up were like, hey, here's another new section of the game. I'm like, that's nice. <laughs> that was weird. That was the weird thing for me is you go into there and you like the map opens up again. You discover a new area and but that doesn't happen in the other two. And it's just like, oh, okay, I guess we're just gonna reuse the areas. Also, I didn't get the strongest impression. I didn't get a great first impression when jumping into Faron. <laughs> I completely forgot about this. And I was so mad, but that I was I was set up for the third in prison fight. I'm like, dude, 
Are you for real? I was so mad, so angry that I had to do this fight again. And I again, those I don't hate those fights as much. I can actually get through them really quickly now, which is great. They're tense. They're mechanically very interesting. Like they're 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 unique. There's that's ne- it's really never I been just, done. I think that they're legitimately scary. They are, especially the last one when he's like flying up to Yayu. I almost lost, and I have lost those fights before. Yeah, it's. It's very depressing. The premise is is, is frightening. Um, there's just aspects mechanically. I just don't like. I think it strains the stamina system way too much. Like coming in there with a stamina potion yeah. for the second fight was good. I wasn't prepared for the third fight. I was like, dude, are you for real? And I was like, okay, it seems unfeasible to fight his like attack his feet. So I'm just gonna jump on him twice, which worked. And then I just made it a point to not miss the shot onto the head, which can just be finicky and frightening to deal with and missing that. I missed it before and it's made me very upset. Um, again, premise, it's very unique. There really is nothing like it in the series. I like I like the idea of it a lot. I just, I don't know. I, I'm never very, not, it's not that I'm not engaged with it because I am, but I'm upset when I'm doing it. <laughs> so, but it's also, I think it's just the repetition as well that kind of, wears thin like whereas gear him i always look forward to it i'm just like oh right this is the game where i have to fight in prison three times yeah and two within near like succession of each other and i just yeah i uh, never find myself looking it's like forward that to first it. in prison fight should have come it's like uh, that first in prison fight is basically where it is because the game wants Groose to witness it to like fuel his character right but functionally, from a pacing perspective, it feels like it should have been like earlier than that. Yeah. To me. Yeah, exactly. So it's just, yeah. I think the structure of the game just starts to fall apart and um, the amount of new stuff you get to see starts to fall like fall away yeah. pretty quickly. It's just such a bummer that, that Farron and Elden are not expanded on to the same degree. Yeah. Also, there's like nothing in the Thunderhead. There's like yeah. There's there's the bug game. Yeah, the bug game's neat. Um, then there's some unique looking islands, and all they have is goddess chests on it, which is yeah. Yeah. I do <sighs> think that wow, that fighting again, kind of an art direction thing. The eyeballs are ugly looking, yeah. and the parasites ugly looking. But I do think that that fight and the feel. I just think that fight's really cool, and I think yeah. seeing I whatever Levias like swimming around in the ocean sky is cool yeah i I do like that too that's kind of neat so yeah man anytime i ever think about the sky though i just get disappointed as well it just um i don't know part a part of me was just like thinking oh we're gonna get like wind waker but we're gonna get kind of like some focus design below so we're gonna get more like a 50 50 versus like an 80 20 and it's like it's different but i'd be okay with that but we really (laughs) it's more like a 1090 now (laughs) the other direction yeah and uh, yeah, that's just the part where I just can't help but feel not even so much disappointed now. I just can't. I just I'm like just constantly not as satisfied as I could be with the game. And I think even yeah. I think even just like I want like I accept it for what it is. Um, but it just doesn't really take away that it's like, yeah, but I'm playing a Zelda game, though. And like I, this just like this is this is like isn't it for me. And it really wasn't up to this point. Really, I mean, Twilight Princess again. The frustration is the farce of it all. But Skyward Sword, it's just like... I mean, the sky is in its own sense. It's like the farce magnified and put in one space. But at least you can yeah. kind of just like... Like every time I'm flying, I'm just disappointed. But anytime I'm doing anything else, I'm mostly fine. Like I can just not think about it most of the time. And the game gives you enough to 
not have to think about it too much. But that's also like frustrating. And you also, either you or I brought it up, we were both also kind of like confused and bewildered by is that there's no flying mini game, which is, I don't, I do not understand that. I haven't even, if we get to the comparison section, I'm actually not even doing that much of a comparison. Now I think about it. Yeah, I feel like we already kind of hit it. I think we'll also, I think some of the most interesting aspects of this game to me now aren't really what it does in comparison to like games before, because it kind of feels like we've just been on this track. Like certain things I find most interesting are like how it sort of impacts Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Like some of these systems that, I don't know, this game gets a bad rap in my opinion for sort of being stale, but it really did sort of try and do a lot of new things Hmm. and like, I do think it sort of introduces you to like not being so precious about like your shields and stuff. Yeah. And to sort of accept, I don't know, that things can shift, that things can be different and evolve, even if it didn't like evolve all the way and isn't super successful. I just think it's an interesting sort of philosophy. And I think we would also be remiss to not mention the DS games. Yeah. Especially because of Fubayashi. Did he direct or just work on Phantom Hourglass? I believe he was the director for Phantom Hourglass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you see a couple of small things. I think uh, I saw that like some of the sort of information-based puzzles kind of come from Phantom Hourglass of oh, like okay. yeah. you learn information, like read signs, like, you know, like, like the orders of hitting... Uh, doors and stuff in this game like there's a lot of um, like information based puzzles in the DS games Um, those stone tablets that make a reappearance here the only one that really bothers me is when you climb up out of the basement in Ancient Cistern and then you immediately see that tablet that's like this is what to do Yeah. although you know what (laughs) it annoyed me this time the first time I played this game that stone tablet, I wasn't like, oh, that's what I have to do. I was really confused. Oh, yeah. I actually didn't know. I just what made to a point do. not to read it because I was just like, oh, I, it just, it's just going to yeah. tell me what to do. Why? Is it disappointment? Because I feel like most of them are pretty good at like giving helpful hints, but not absurd hints. Yeah. Are giving you useful information. So you've been conditioned to be like useful information to solve a puzzle. So I kind of, I just wish that that hint would have been like a fee thing that. <laughs> Like, yeah. if you wanted to ask her, she might give you some help, but it feels a little obvious. Yeah, they otherwise, in that same dungeon, they otherwise did a good job of connecting two completely separate rooms with an environmental puzzle where the hint was basically like, hey, start from here to here to here, use that sign, and that will be your way forward. And you're like, okay, but like, you wouldn't, like, I would, I didn't even look for it in the first place because I don't think I even read the sign or I didn't even realize or remember that puzzle. I get to the door and I'm like, oh, shoot, what? How do we have to do again? So I go to the front of the dungeon, read that. I was like, oh, okay, check it out. And then it's just, it's linked all the way from like a separate room. And I was like, okay, I like that. That was neat. Um, it's just like, it's annoying then that that other puzzle, they effectively just tell you, like, instead of, like, I get that trying to make the connection do a roundabout. And then it, that is a macro puzzle. And that's what makes Asian Cistern pretty cool is they have at least like two, in a sense, macro puzzles. I think they just, I don't know, they just sort of done something else to kind of link that. But they kind of already visually give you a cue when you're first dropping the statue down 
uh, below, you see the chest get down there. So you're already interested in how to make that get back up there. Once mm -hmm. you create the shortcut, like that should have already been evident in the player's mind. And I don't understand why that was then pointed out. Cause it's not like the other puzzle where there's like, you have no way of linking the two ideas or even thinking environmentally about the, the central room. But then they tell you and you're like, okay, I think this is what this is getting at. And then you put it together and you're like, okay, cool. And then it's, it works. So yeah, I there's, it doesn't do it too badly, but there's parts where it's just like game. Come on. I want to comment. I think, you know, you mentioned the game getting flagged, and I mean it. It, it does, and there's there are things in which it rightfully does. But I think I in my mind, and it's again, it's hard not to talk ahead, but I think the comparison is so evident because of how starkly different the two games are. But the focus design of Skyward Sword is something like the focus, the more focused aspects of its design are the aspects that I definitely appreciate and even kind of miss the most mm -hmm. um, going forward. That I like, I can come back and really appreciate about this game now that just the dungeon design but also the area design is really strong like sure it's not going to be like the kind of open exploration that ocarina through through uh, wind waker really did and what twilight princess you know was at least trying to continue to maintain going forward but it is like it's just that moment to moment being really really good it's that moment to moment being like a core focus of of breath of the wild is something that's definitely like i think evident i think even really taken in spirit from this game but the focus design is something that, like, I think uniquely hit its peak here um, and didn't necessarily get carried forward as like it it, it does. Um, but it's an aspect I kind of miss. And I think it's something that apart from the aspects that frustrate me about this game or at least are just tedious, I can definitely appreciate and enjoy the focus design for what it is in this game. It's just fun. Mm -hmm. It's just enjoyable. It's, yeah. a, it's a Zelda Mario game in its own it sense. It is a Zelda Mario game. It is. <laughs> um. I want to talk a little bit, I think, before we wrap it up and move on to what we remember the most, I think we're ready. Um, I just want to do a quick discussion on this is the only 3D game that has not received an HD re-release, and we might see one on the Switch for this game. With the other games that we've played, so no like true blue remake scenarios, what do you see getting fixed? What would you want improved? And like realistically, how good can this game be within the parameters of say how we've seen other Zelda games improved? Yeah, so off the bat, UX improvements out the wazoo. I think I think just quality of life to clean up the UX, just uh, pacing and like tech speed and everything, the pickup notifications, all of that. I, I think all of that would do wonders just to improve the uh, pacing of the game. Like, you can't really do much to really fix fees, interruptions. Um, I mean, yeah, you can get rid of the low health and the battery warnings. I mean, because one of them is kind of redundant in the or other. Or just make it, like, optional. Or just have, a, just have an ability to turn them off. Yeah, even just have an option to turn those off in particular would be good. Um, the game already gives you a pro interface, like, once you're mainly past the intro which is good so there's not really anything to say there i mean the interface is really ugly otherwise than the default but um but you get the option so it's not that's never really been an issue i think just improving the pacing of the game through the ux alone would do wonders uh you know a typical hd improve like hd treatment to the game would i, th I think would at least help bring it out bring out more of the game's qualities Motion control wise, that's that's the hardest thing, and that's probably the biggest difficulty on on why this game hasn't gotten ported for yet, and and the question of whether it will. 
I, I mean, I, I don't think I could personally advocate for somehow getting rid of like sword controls. I just think it's yeah, kind of no. The it's, game it's an inseparable the game's broken part. without that. Yeah, it's it's inseparable without it. There there are too many aspects that that heavily depend on it um, to really take that away. I I feel like the Joy Cons are capable of that maybe unless they also like I don't know how much the we the the we depend on both this gyro sensor and the pointer. I think it did in places, but it wasn't consistent. The I like gyro aiming is used for the majority of the game otherwise. Like you only really needed the pointer just for pressing A on the center of the screen once you've uh recalibrated, but like so outside of sword controls, outside of pointer, well pointer you can technically like I think even that if we wanted to have traditional aiming, we could have it. I like being used to gyro, it really doesn't matter. I we probably would just have both anyway, or they would just go pure gyro, which I can't. E either or is fine, fine by me. I think just like unless they would give us gyro flying. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I think just reducing the like the needless amount of motion controls in places. I think would be yeah. would be nice it wouldn't be like a deal breaker but i think we could get analog swimming i think the swimming just f like twilight princess swimming i think whatever it was there's like a delay and link actually changing direction with swimming and here it feels pretty one-to-one -one with how quickly he changes which is which is good i think it needed to be and i think getting that analog i think would feel pretty good overall like the the actual like swimming mechanics like the the spin is pretty fun and it's it's definitely more consistent than zora swimming like the zora dive as much as I love Zora swimming, um, it's it's more consistent, and so I think getting into analog and doing all that would would be pretty good. Um, oh, you know, it'd be great that I would love hmm. would be <sighs> control for the camera, baby. Oh, that second analog stick. Yeah, that was I was pressing Z a whole lot in this game, and it would have been kind of nice to be able to scope out. And I just was like, yeah, oh yeah, I, I eventually can't do that. got used to it, but whole buddy. I would like to be able to pan and kind of sc like scan around and look at things. So that was yeah. I didn't even think about that. That would be nice. Like you can't you can't fix the structure of the game. There's really no getting around that. Like yeah, maybe we could be like oh cut tad tones in half. And I'm like eh. Like the area like the area was kind of designed around them in certain ways. Like I I personally don't like the individual tad tones, but the collectives are mostly fine. I wouldn't want to see them do a, t a, a tier of light thing remedy where they cut down the amount of tiers of light in Twilight Princess, partly because some were redundant and in the same location. I feel like I feel like Skyward Sword, Sky, uh, Silent Realms, they're, this, the tiers are placed in like strategic, like they were like surgically placed where they were meant to be placed to in order to be like as interesting as possible. So I don't, I wouldn't want to see them yeah, structure-wise... Yeah, it's just perfect. It doesn't... Yeah. It's not something that needs to get fixed. Maybe, like... Uh, yeah, it's just tough. I don't really know what they can do. <laughs> yeah. To sort of, like, fix some of the issues. Like, I don't know. It's one of those where I feel like if they're going to do it... I know that based on everything we've seen, they're not going to, like, remake, remake it, and they're not really going to meaningfully add stuff. Right. But I almost wonder if they actually went for it, that they would do that. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think apart, like, again, apart from unless, yeah, unless they were able to put the time and effort to actually rework some of the structure or elaborate on things, which I just, I can't see them doing. Um, I think just quality of life stuff off the bat would at least do wonders for the game's pacing. 
if nothing else. Well, okay, let's let's wrap it up. Here we go. Ooh. Let's move on to what do we remember the most? Hmm. This is tough. It it gets harder the more recent the games get. Yeah, <laughs> they're not embedded in your in your memory as well. Yeah, it's true. I have, still have stronger feelings about Twilight Princess than I do this game. Not that I like it more, just that <laughs> um, there's a lot that's stuck out about it. With this game, though, if I, if I have to point to two things in particular, um, it'd have to be the Sansi Islands and uh, and then the Demise fight, or maybe Kolokos. Oh, I really do. You know, it helps that this game has good moment by moment to moment gameplay because there, there are definitely a lot of good aspects uh, that I like. And even just to bring up like <laughs> just a just a cutscene moment, even just Groose <laughs> following Link down to Faron is still the funniest thing in the world. I love <laughs> everything about how that is handled. Such a great little character interaction. Uh, definitely one of the best ones, like one of the better ones in the series for sure. So... Yeah, I think it's worth mentioning that. I think it's also worth mentioning just the demise fight. I love how that fight makes me feel, even if it's like I like kind of understand the fight. And it's not especially hard. I like how the fight makes me feel. I love the finisher to that fight. I think it's executed like a million times better than the way it was done in Twilight Princess, which was really goofy. But they were trying to make it seem dramatic. It was just like it was just kind of pitch perfect the way it was handled here. It might have not been like super meaningful, but just like the actual just the atmosphere coming together on it, it's great. Uh, and then the Sansi is just my favorite place to spend time in, I think, in that game. Just really sublime. Man, I'm having, like, such a hard time thinking of, like, a moment or, like, what I... I don't know. It's really tough. I think because, like you said, I think, like, there's kind of a lot of moments that I really do like. And a lot of story moments that I really like and that sort of get into my heart. And I, you know, I guess I'll say this. I really love the credits. They're very effective for me. That mm. whole closing, just the whole ending of the game with like going and fighting Gerhim and like going through that crowd of enemies and Demise and Zelda. And then I also love, love, love the detail in the credits where you see then these cutscenes of Zelda and Impa and their journey. Yeah. And you sort of get a sense of her side of the story. And, and it just makes it all like a little bit more emotional and like seeing Zelda, seeing her change after the third spring and seeing like Impa bow to her is like the recognition that like she is like now Hylia. I just think that's really cool. Hmm. And it also makes uh, some moments in Breath of the Wild more impactful to me in a way to see like this first Zelda and see her character yeah. and then like see where they decide to go with that character next. So yeah, I guess it, to me, it's just all of those ending moments. They, they get me, they get me good. episode we step through dimensions in a link between worlds is it a bold new take on the series or just a glorified remake next time on a retro perspective <laughs> <laughs>